the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series that's called, Called, Here I Am, Send Me, based on Isaiah chapter 6. And today Pastor Sean Azaro asks the question, how do you see God? As a kind old man, maybe as angry and judgmental. What if you instead built your perspective of God based on the truth of the Bible? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The name of the message is called Exalted. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I want to begin by just sharing with you an experience I had this week that was, was pretty powerful, sad, difficult, but powerful. Lori's cousin, my wife Lori's cousin in the city, uh, she was married to a pastor, and she passed away this last week, um, 58 years old, uh, just awesome woman of God, loved the Lord, loved her family. In fact, the really sad part is her husband passed away six years ago. Her name's Jody Bell. Her husband's David Bell, a Destiny Church here in town. A great group of people, great, great folks. And uh, we went to attended her funeral. And, of course, it's very sad. Uh, she has five boys. They all love Jesus, serve the Lord, all involved. Her, her son actually is the pastor of that church now, <clears throat> her oldest son. And, uh, but to hear people talk about how God used her to shape that church, how she was a, a kind of an anchor and a rock her husband's a very gifted songwriter and just a, uh, just a gifted pastor. And, but she was that one who kind of was so many times that, that, that rock that the whole family depended on. And you just saw, you heard in that, her vision all throughout that. And it was just a very powerful tribute to her role and how much she influenced. And what was fascinating is, uh, and it's interesting, it's Lori's first cousin, because I realize... My wife's exactly the same way. And I understood, I understood, I think, some things that maybe others didn't understand. You see, my wife, Lori, from the very beginning, has had a powerful and compelling vision. Her life is guided by a vision. I mean, I think, I think we, we all kind of have some idea of vision, but, but her life has been guided by a vision. When we got married, there was this sense we knew what could happen in ministry to pastors and their families. We'd seen pastors' kids We'd seen what happens when a pastor's family kind of gets off track. And when something gets broken there, and we've seen the, the damage. And we knew, particularly as, as founding pastors of an organization, as lead pastors, if something happened in our home, if our kids grew up and, and hated the church because they felt like they were always playing second fiddle, that that would be disastrous. Not only for our family, but it could have ramifications all throughout our fellowship. And so... There was this sense of shared vision that both Lori and I had. But here's the deal. 
I had lots of visions. <laughs> and, and they were good visions. Visions from the Lord. Hers was a singular vision. And I'm a big picture kind of person, and God's used that. God's used that in my life, and it's part of who he made me. Lori is very systematic and focused. And so when all the other visions of my life would crowd in on this shared vision that we both had and were willing to fight for, she was the one. And let me tell you, one of those other visions bump into that vision that she has and that we have for our family. Uh, My wife may look sweet. Don't let her fool you. That woman go pit bull fast. (laughs) I mean, seriously, she would fight for those things. And I was on board. You got to understand, I knew from the very beginning, I understood there's lots of people who could do this job that I'm doing right now. Lots. But there's only one person who could be a dad to Lauren Ryan and a husband to Lori. And I knew that. I understood that. But I got lots of visions, lots of things, lots of opportunities. And she was so often that one who just said, well, wait, remember. And she was that one who fought for dinner at the dinner table every night. You know, when kids were little, every single night. And then as they got older, they get into junior high, you know, your parents know, the negotiation starts. Okay, fine. Four nights a week, we're sitting at this table having dinner. Now we'll give you, we'll give you three nights to flex. You're out, your practices, you're out with friends, you're out, whatever, whatever. But this is who we are. This is what we do because it matters. And so much of what this church is can directly be linked to her vision. It's powerful. I was just talking with someone the other day, and I just recognized I couldn't do the things I do without her, without her vision. I, I wouldn't be able to. And, and her role, and she's always, been a, she's always had a part of the vision of this church. She's always shared that. But it all had its context. And so much of who we are is influenced by her vision. And, and I think, honestly, that's the power of vision, isn't it? Vision is that thing that keeps you going And when everything else crowds in, because there's always something else to crowd in, vision is that thing that says, no, 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 I see that. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. I want to talk about the power of vision, but not maybe in the way you would think. We're in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Turn there in your Bibles, will you? Isaiah chapter 6, it's a vision. We're going to read verses 1 through 8, and this whole thing is a vision. But it is a powerful and compelling vision. Look what the word says. We looked at it last week. Let's, let's just read this again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I'm lost. Another translation says, I'm ruined, or I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we would be transformed by what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Here am I, send me. The, the entire series is based on this premise that we are all called. Every single one of us is called. You understand that? Not necessarily in the same way as the prophet, but we are all called. My wife had a calling as clear as day, day from the Lord when we began our life together. And it was from him, and she felt called. Every one of us has calling. And last week, remember, we started with this whole idea in the year that King Uzziah died, and we saw that that was a loaded phrase because it was a time of incredible turbulence and change for God's people. And we saw our big idea was kind of times may be changing, but God isn't. The times to which you are called are changing. The God by whom you are called is not. That's the point. We saw that understand your calling always involves understanding your times or your culture. And we looked at that. We saw how some of us kind of just want to back out because the times we're living in are so ugly and unpleasant and the news is so horrible and so hard to listen to. And we saw that we're tempted just to kind of check out and keep to ourselves. And we saw we can't do that. The culture we're living in is drowning. And we can't sit out. It'd be like seeing a person who's drowning. And saying, God, oh, somebody should save them, I guess. But I guess I'm not called to. I'm not called to. And we recognize, I mean, if that's like humanity 101. If we saw someone drowning and we had the means to do something, we are obligated to do it. Well, that's the same point. Our culture is a train wreck. It is broken. But we have the solution in Jesus Christ. We know the one who can bring healing. We know the one who can bring life and restoration. We can't sit this one out. We have to understand our culture. We have to understand our history. God has wired you. He's been preparing you for your calling. You may not even be aware of it, but he has been. And the clues can be found in your history. And understanding your calling always involves hearing from the Lord. That's what this vision is all about. Hearing God's voice, which is the essence of calling. Now, I want to focus on this vision because it's an incredible vision of the Lord. He says, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. This vision. And it says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, the, the, the robe would represent the glory, the splendor, the majesty of God. And it says it filled the temple. Interesting. This throne room was in the temple. This is a vision about worship, isn't it? God exalted as king in the temple. The train of his robe, his glory filled it. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Exalted in the series called Here I Am, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast 
podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Exalted. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. You see these creatures that, interesting, they're called seraphim. They're only mentioned in this chapter. These two references we just read, these are only references to seraphim in the whole Bible. And, and they are these very unique, very particular attendants to the throne of God. And what's fascinating is what we see from them. They're winged, and they don't just have two wings, like we picture angels. They have six wings, we're told. Six wings. And it's, it says, of what he does with those six wings, with two, he covers the upper part of his body, his face. With two, he covered the lower part of his body. And with two, they flew. The glory of God filled the place. And this is such a powerful lesson. And these heavenly beings, lest in any way their incredible, terrible beauty and splendor would take anything from the focus and the glory and the worship of the king, they covered themselves in humility. That's pretty powerful. But that's why they did that. And it says they declared to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, that's not redundancy. Okay? They weren't just kind of, they didn't think, they didn't say it first time and they go, oh, did you not hear me? I'll say it louder. Holy, holy. They are, that's emphasis. When they said it one time, they declared, holy is the Lord. When they said it a second time, they amplified it. When they said it a third time, they amplified it exponentially. Holy, beyond holy, beyond holy is the Lord. And the whole place shook. Can you imagine our worship here? And can you imagine it being so powerful and the Spirit being so heavy and present in the room and us being so caught up that the place shook. Our acoustic tiles would fall off the the walls, which would be very unfortunate because they're very expensive. You wouldn't think so, but they are. This is what ADD is like, folks. Don't, don't. It's a serious thing. But can you imagine? I mean, he's describing something where the physical presence of the room is moving ever experienced worship like that where it's like your world is being shaken the presence of the lord because they declared holy is the lord and it's interesting they didn't just stop and say that in the temple they said the whole earth is full of his glory not just the temple his reign extends way beyond the throne room or the sanctuary or the temple the whole earth is filled with the glory and the presence of God. And at the end of what we read, he hears the voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? And he says, here, I am, Lord, send me. I want to suggest to you the call of verse 8. The call that Isaiah heard and responded to of verse 8 was birthed in the vision of verse 1 through 4. 
The call of verse 8 was birthed in the vision of verses 1 through 4. It all starts here with this vision of the Lord, high and exalted, seeing God as he is. I want to suggest to you a lot of people have vision. And often, and this is not a bad thing, you need to understand, it's just an incomplete thing. Our vision is based on seeing a need. For example, we see children who are hungry, they don't have enough to eat. And we get a vision to go and help them. If all we see is the need, that vision is incomplete. It's a great vision, by the way. We look at kids in the inner city and see them lacking opportunity. And we say, we want to be a part of that. And we have a vision. But if all we see is the vision of the need. See, people who only see the need never do anything. They may talk, but that's generally where it ends. See, there has to be a second vision. Not just of the need, but there has to be a sense of empowerment to make a difference. Literally a vision of a source from which to engage. The implication, if there are hungry kids and, and somebody should do something, and I go, I, I have the means. I could do something. See, I have a vision of the source from which to engage in the vision of the need. And see, for us, the vision of the source is our vision of him. He is our source and supply. He is the one. And that's why God had this prophet. There had been five chapters of prophecy. And God said Isaiah needed to stop because he was about to call him to something. He was about to call him to a great need. And he was about to give him a word. But before he did that, he had to show him the source and the supply. He had to have a vision of God that was different. And I think that's a powerful principle. If you're taking notes, write this down. We've got notes in the bulletins. You can use those and fill out the outline. Or we've got notes on the app. You can go to the app and use that to fill that out. But I want you to make note of this. Here's, here's what I think we can learn. How I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. How I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. This is so huge. For what Isaiah was going to do, he needed to stop and see God as bigger than anything else. See God as exalted. He needed to understand the reality of the situation. Do you realize if more people had a vision of God, there wouldn't be so many stupid things done in the name of God that obviously have nothing to do with God? You ever seen things done in the name of God and you go, what were you thinking? How did you possibly imagine that would honor Jesus? It's because they don't have a vision of him. They claim to have a vision from him and a vision I'm going to go carry out. I'm going to go do in his name. But they haven't had a vision of him yet. And so they run off without understanding the source. And that can do a lot of damage. A lot of damage has been done in the name of the Lord by people claiming to be doing things for the Lord that he never called them to do. See, how I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. And I just want to ask this morning, how do you see God? How do you see God? People see God all different kind of ways, don't they? Some people see him as just a force out there. And the Star Wars fans get all excited at that. Because, you know, it must be Christian because of the dark side. And the, Oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Yoda was a prophet. I knew it. There's some people right now going, mm, preach it. That's good. That's good preaching. Now Sean's getting to the word. Some people look at God and they think, oh, that's a primitive crutch. They look like a sociologist and say, well, that's just for people who, who kind of need to protect themselves from the, the horrible randomness of it all. 
Some people are willing to acknowledge that, well, there's power in the universe. They'll, they'll, they'll give power to the universe. They'll acknowledge that, but they won't in any way kind of deal with a personal God, a God who knows us and to which we're in any way accountable. But it's interesting, even those of us who do acknowledge and believe in a personal God who has a relationship with us, sometimes we can have differing and unusual images of God. How do you see him? Do you see God as maybe a kindly, permissive old man who just wants everyone to be nice to each other? You know? I mean, he's, he's just, he, he's, he doesn't like sin, but he's not going to do anything about it because, doggone it, y'all are so cute, you. I mean, really, we, got this, we get this warped view of grace and we kind of twist things around. We just think of God as this kind of absent-minded, kindly old man who just wants everyone to be nice. And you talk to people and go, oh, yeah, man, God's cool. He's so cool. And he's all right. He's all right. And they have this, this kind of low view of God. There's no respect. There's no fear of the Lord. You know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where wisdom starts. Like now, when you fear the Lord, you are aligning yourself with reality. I had a guy one time, it was a baby dedication, and this guy wasn't, you know, I don't know that he was a believer, but the family wanted the baby to be dedicated, and we did, and they said all the right things, and they got to that place, and I, I said at some point, and it was just them, it was just them, and I was there kind of dedicating their baby, and they had some family there, and uh, I said, do you promise to raise your child to love, fear, and honor the Lord? And he kind of says to me, no, man, I'm not going to do I don't, I don't want my kid to fear anything. And, you know, as a pastor, that's one of those weird moments. Okay, I should have probably rebuked him there in public, given him a good rebuking. Because he said it just to me. It was kind of a quiet thing. I didn't. Okay? I kind of soldiered on, which we pastors do, and then I talked to him afterwards. Because he had a gross misunderstanding of the fear of God. He looked at the fear of God as, you know, it's like a kid with an alcoholic parent. They're afraid of, of him doing something crazy, and they're walking, and, and they're just like that kind of fear. That's not what the fear of God is. The fear of God recognizes that God is high and exalted and above anything else anyone else and how different he is than us you know it, it, it's it understands that he is the king and he's exalted that's what the fear of god does and 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 it has this sense of reverence and awe in his presence and the whole kindly old man absent-minded old man who just wants everybody to be nice doesn't really that's kind of shaping a god of our own choosing or maybe you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum, an angry, judgmental God looking for his chance to condemn everyone to hell. Sadly, some people get that view because of churches they've been in or because of parents who had a broken view of God. And so they push onto God these feelings they have. And they have this twisted view of God as angry and vindictive. Maybe you see God is just on the decline. He's kind of falling out of fashion. You know, we've kind of evolved beyond that. Some people just see God as a great hashtag to throw in so people on Twitter know you're spiritual. That's a good one. How do you see him? Do you see him as he truly is? See, Isaiah needed a vision to be reminded. Do you? He needed to be reminded who it is he served before he went out to serve because how I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. How do you see him? Isaiah learned a couple things that he would share with us. 
and then I think we can make very personal. First thing, the God I serve is the king who is enthroned. That vision, he's seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The first thing he recognized instantly, the God I serve is king, and he is enthroned. Look at what David wrote, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12. He said, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Do you believe that about God? The Apostle Paul did too. Look what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.70. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish the last verse. In your hands are strength, power to exalt and give strength to all. Look what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 17. He said, now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The king eternal, he's God forever. He's God forever. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's everywhere. He's the only God. And he deserves all the glory and honor forever and ever. Psalm 9, 7 and 8 says, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne, listen to this, for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and he judges the people with equity. You see, he is king over all. He is king over all. He is king eternal. All things come from him. Everything, everything we have, we owe to him. House, you may love your house, it's his, because it came from him. Car came from him, our ability to make wealth, our children, our families, they all came from him. You're like, well, I don't believe that. Do you realize what you believe doesn't change the reality one bit? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called Called, Here Am I, Send Me. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.